Good morning, Miles City, and welcome to week four of Winning the War on Your Mind. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be with us today. And I hope that you've had an opportunity to be with us the last couple weeks to hear these talks on how to win the war in our mind. You know, over the past couple of weeks, we've talked about how most of life's battles are either won or lost in the mind. In fact, we know that it's impossible to have a positive life if your mind is constantly filled with negative thoughts. And sometimes those thoughts, our mind starts to race with those negative thoughts and we start having irrational thoughts or maybe even irrational worries. And I wonder how many of us can relate to those irrational thoughts and worries that sometimes consume our minds. See, I don't know about you, but maybe even those worries are started by something that seems fairly normal. For instance, maybe you are worried about a test that you're getting ready to take. And so you know if you fail this test, then you're not going to get into the right college. And so if you don't get into the right college, then you're not going to be able to get the right job. And if you don't get the right job, then you're not going to be able to have the right spouse. And if you don't have the right spouse, then you're going to have the wrong kids. And because you have the wrong kids, your wrong kids have crooked teeth and they need braces. And braces are expensive. And you know that you got to put braces on those teeth. And because you put braces on their teeth and you're still paying off the wrong college you went to, they aren't able to go to college. And because they aren't able to go to college, they turn to a life of crime. And because they turn to a life of crime, they end up in prison. Now, all that might give you a headache, but let's be honest, maybe it's not a headache. Maybe there's something wrong with your brain. Maybe even you have a tumor. Now, I know that that's a little bit ridiculous and we go off on that, but you know what? Sometimes that's what happens in our minds. And we can see what's happening on the news or we see what happens to someone that we know and love. Or maybe something happens at our job or some disaster in the world. And sometimes those thoughts can take a hold of us. Maybe we have more bills than we know how to pay. Maybe there's a decision in the future that's weighing on your mind and you're what am I going to do with this? And it brings anxiety and fear into our life. Well, today we want to see what Scripture has to say about anxiety and fear. Because let's face it, all of us struggle with this from time to time. Some of us more than others, but all of us face anxiety and fear in our life. And how are we supposed to rein in these thoughts? How are we supposed to keep them from taking over? Well, I believe that Scripture gives us the answers. But before we dive in today, let's just take a moment and ask God to bless this and use his word in our life. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to spend some time in Scripture. And God, we're grateful that we can have victory over negative thoughts and anxiety and worry in our life. And I just ask today that you would be with us. I ask that those that are watching this online, that you would speak to their hearts through your word. I ask that you would use my words, keep my mind clear, so that what is said would bring honor to your name. God, we'll give you the glory for it. We'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you remember, a key thought from week one is this. It's that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Which that's good if your thoughts are positive and helpful, but incredibly bad news if you have negative thoughts going on in your head. And we've talked about both scripture and science because God is a God of science. He's not afraid of science. In fact, he created it. And science tells us that there's this little almond-shaped part of your brain that's called the amygdala. And the amygdala is the part of your brain that helps you with fear. 
It's the one that tells you when things are going bad. For instance, it tells you that if there is a wolf coming at you, that you better run. It tells you that if you are driving and oncoming traffic comes into your lane, that you better swerve. It's what gets your attention. It's what's telling us to be on guard. If you're like me, it tells you when you see a poisonous snake or, to be honest, when you see any kind of snake, to run. I don't like snakes, and when I see them, I have anxiety. I can still remember the time my wife and I went canoeing. And she doesn't have the fear of snakes that I do. And there was a water moccasin hanging from a tree. And she decided to row our canoe right over under it to check out this snake. I was not having anything of it because my amygdala was telling me to run. It's the part of our brain that in the middle of the night when our dog starts going crazy causes us to panic and wonder who's breaking into our house. See, God gave us that portion of our brain for protection. That amygdala is hardwired for that protection, but it's also very easily triggered. That's why the amygdala needs help from another part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is the part of our brain that gives the logic, that says, listen, you're not going to die. It's going to be okay. The amygdala is all panic. The prefrontal cortex is all logic. When we wake up in the middle of the night because we hear a sound in our house, the amygdala is telling us, oh no, someone's going to break in, has broken into our house and is going to stab us to death here in our bed. And the prefrontal cortex is telling us it's probably our cat. Let's calm down. You're not going to die. And sometimes that amygdala in our brains has become pre-programmed because of previous things that have happened in our life. For instance, I was raised in a home where when we did something wrong, we were spanked. And I can honestly say that I never can remember getting a spanking that I didn't deserve. And my dad spanked us on the part of our body that God created with a little bit of extra cushion. But I can still tell you when I hear a belt coming out of the belt loops on your pants, it triggers something in my mind like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Even when it's my own belt that I'm taking off. And so because of that, every time I hear that, something goes off in my brain. And sometimes this causes us to have anxiety. This causes us to have fear. This causes us to worry. And we become overwhelmed with these things. But before we get overwhelmed, what I want us to think about, what I think Scripture teaches us, before we lose control, let's step back and take a look at what Scripture has to say. And in Scripture, there's a guy by the name of Paul. And Paul was sitting in prison writing this letter. And this wasn't the first time that Paul was in prison and it wasn't going to be the last time. But Paul was writing this letter to a group of believers in Philippi. And in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6, he says this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worth praise, think about these things. And so what Paul does is right off the bat, he says, let's not be anxious for anything. But the first thing that we need to do is go to prayer. See, prayer should be our first line of defense. But so many times we as Christians, we as followers of Christ, so many times we 
we take prayer as the last resort. Sometimes we say, we might not say it, but we think, oh man, has it really come to this? Because I, I guess all we can do is pray. And that's not how prayer should be. We should need to imagine God's looking up and down in heaven and saying, listen, I'm the God that can move mountains. I'm the God that can heal the sick. I'm the God that can raise the dead. Prayer shouldn't be your last line of defense. It should be your first line of offense. And when we make this the first line of offense, it brings us before God. And there we are where he wants to answer our anxieties. Look what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 4. He said this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. See, Scripture teaches us that we need to let God know what is going on our lives, in our lives. And when we pray, here's what, here's what happens. Prayer touches and moves the heart of God. Prayer touches and moves the heart of God. We aren't changing the mind or the heart of God, but what we are, is, what we are doing is we're showing him the desire that we have, that God, I need your help. God, I can't handle this and I need your help with this. Prayer is taking what we need to God. We bring him our wants. We bring him our needs. And James understood this. James wrote in James chapter 4, he said this, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your own passions. See, James understood that, listen, we need to bring our wants, we need to bring our needs, we need to bring our worries to God because we don't. And God says, listen, I can't help you if you don't ask for help. We as parents understand this concept. We love when our kids need something. We love being able to give them what they need. And just, just like that, God, our heavenly father, our spiritual dad in heaven, looks down and he loves when his kids come to him and say, God, we don't have the answers, but we know that you do. Will you please help us? His heart is moved when we spend time in prayer about our worries and our anxieties. Not only is God's heart touched and moved when we pray, but prayer also does this. Prayer changes the chemistry of our mind. We talked also about neural pathways. And when we think a thought, it's easier to think that thought again. And our brains are constantly or continually changing. In fact, the term is neuroplasticity. And that means it's constantly evolving and rewriting itself. But there's also out there, there's also out there those that study neurotheology. And this is the study of the mind and of God. And one of those is a doctor by the name of Carolyn Leaf. And here's what Caroline Leaf said. She said this, it's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. This is a scientific fact. They've done studies and 12 minutes of prayer over an eight-week time can change the way that our brain looks on a scan. See, not only does prayer touch the heart of God, prayer also changes the brain. Just like toxic and harmful thoughts affect our brain, prayer heals our brain. When we spend time in brain, it, uh, when we spend time in prayer, it transforms our brain. It literally renews our mind. So my question to us is why do we worry? Why do we find ourselves so anxious? If we're followers of Christ, if we're Christians, why are we so anxious? Why is it so often that our minds think in irrational ways? Well, science would tell us that we're facing an amygdala hijack. 
Our amygdala wired to protect is just taking over our brain and telling us, listen, you are in trouble. You better stay up till two o'clock worrying about this because if you don't, it's only gonna get worse. So science tells us this is an amygdala hijack, but here's what scripture tells us. Scripture tells us that our mind is being dominated by sinful thinking. In fact, a simple definition for worry is this. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. See, when we allow worry to take over, what we're doing is we're allowing sin to take over our mind. We're saying, God, I don't trust you. I don't believe in your goodness in this situation. I don't believe that you care about what I'm going through. And ultimately, I don't trust you. And so instead of letting our sinful nature control our mind, what we want to do is, as a follower of Christ, we want to allow the Holy Spirit to direct our thinking. Instead of letting that sinful nature run all kinds of fearful thoughts through our mind, we want to allow the Holy Spirit to take control. We're going to allow our prefrontal cortex to tell our amygdala, listen, I am putting my trust in Christ and I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to control my thoughts. Paul understood this and he wrote to the Romans when he said this in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 5. He said, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. And the result of this is this, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. That's why we want to bring every thought, like Scripture tells us, into captivity. We want to make them obedient to Christ. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to control us. From a scientific standpoint, that's saying, listen, I'm going to allow my prefrontal cortex to grab the amygdala by the tail and say, listen, you quit being irrational. God is in control and I trust in him and I'm giving it to him. And by faith, I'm trusting God. I'm allowing God to work in me. I'm believing in God. I'm giving God my burdens. I'm taking captive my thoughts. I'm becoming obedient to the spirit in my life. Here's a visual example. Many of us, we take worries and we pray about them and we give them to God. And we say, God, this is what I'm worrying about. And a lot of us, we're good at that. I'm good at that in my life. I can pray about the things that I'm worrying about. But what happens a lot of times in my life is in a day or two, I start to take those worries back. Just to give you an example, a personal example from my life. In my life, one of my worries right now is in just one month, I'm going to have three teenagers in my house. And I have, don't know what I'm going to do with these guys. I've got one that's going to be a senior next year. I've got another, a daughter that's going to be a freshman in high school. And my youngest is going to be an eighth grader in middle school. And I worry about their future. I'm to the point now where I'm on the last couple of years of being able to invest in them. And I wonder if I've taught them the things that I need to teach them. And I wonder if they've learned the things that are going to help them in life, that are going to allow them to be the followers of Christ that God's called them to be. And so for me, what I've done is I've made this fancy box and I've put worry on it. Now, my daughter helped me with this box. And if you need some help making one of these boxes for yourself, I'm sure that for the right price, she'll help you as well. But on this box, I had her write the word worry for me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this card and I'm going to write my kid's future on this card. And I'm going to take this card 
and physically, I'm going to put this card in this box. I'm going to give it over to God. I'm going to pray over my kids. I'm going to ask God to protect them. I'm going to ask God to remind them of the lessons that they learned from Scripture growing up. And I'm going to give that worry to God. And the next time that I'm tempted to worry, I'm going to have to reach my hand into this box and take that out. And it's going to be a physical reminder to me, a symbolic reminder that, hey, am I taking this worry back or am I actually giving it over to God? See, when we give our worries to God, when we allow him to work in our life, when we allow him to control our mind, then we take our hands off and we need to trust him with the outcome. So here's three big thoughts that we want to take away from this talk today. Here's three things that I want to challenge us all to remember, including myself. The first one is this. I want to do what I can do. We want to do what we can do. Say that with me. Do what we can do. For instance, if I am studying, if I have a test and I'm worried about that test and I'm anxious about that test, I need to do more than just pray and ask God to help me on that test. I need to study. If I feel like, hey, listen, I'm getting, I'm putting on a little too many pounds and I need to lose some weight, I need to do more than just pray and ask God to take the weight off. No, I need to start eating right. I need to start going to the gym. I need to do what I can do. We need to do what we can do. There are things that we can do that will help us overcome anxiety and worry. But here's the second thing I want us to remember. We want to give God what we can't do. Give to God what we can't do. Say that one with me. Give to God what we can't do. There are things that we will not be able to do and we need to hand them over to God. And here's the third thing that we want to remember. We want to trust God no matter what. Say that last one with me. Trust God no matter what. Why do I want to trust God? Because of his character, because of who he is, because of his nature. God, I'm going to trust you. Peter understood this when he wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7, he said, I'm going to cast all my anxieties on him because he cares for me. We need to take those anxieties, we need to take those worries, and we need to trust God with them. And no matter what, God, because of your goodness, because of your promises, because of your faithfulness, I'm going to trust you. So just for a moment, I want us to think about what anxieties, what worries are we holding on to? I want to ask ourselves, hey, what are we doing with these? Are we holding on to them or are we giving them over to God? It's a choice. See, we can either be dominated by a sinful nature or we can be dominated by the spirit. Are we going to allow the, the sinful nature to overtake our mind or are we going to allow the Holy Spirit to control us? See, over the past several weeks, we learned that our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And sometimes wrong thoughts, sometimes negative thoughts have a stronghold in our life. And we need to take hold of that stronghold and give it over to God. We need to allow God's truth to permeate into our life. And so when we identify that dominant lie in our life, we need to write that truth down. And this just isn't a practical truth. This is God's truth. And so there's four things that we do. We write God's truth, we think God's truth, we confess God's truth, and we believe God's truth. We do that over and over. For instance, in my life, I'm holding on to the truth that Christ in me is stronger than my worldly desires that reign in me. And so I write that truth. Hey, God's more powerful. Christ is more powerful in me than my 
earthly desires. And then I think that truth and then I confess that truth and I do that over and over and over again until I believe that truth. I'm setting those neural pathways in my mind to believe the truth of God. I don't have to be hostage to my unhealthy thoughts because the weapons I fight with are not weapons of this world. Our spiritual weapons can demolish those spiritual strongholds in our life. And so what do we do? By the power and the authority of God, we allow him to take control of our mind and through him, we can have victory. We don't have to be a prisoner to our addictions. We don't have to be a prisoner to our worries or our doubts. And then we talked about when things don't go our way, how do we frame them? We can't control what happens to us, but we we can control how we frame them. We can look at it from a negative perspective and say, this is bad, this is hard. Or we can look at it from a different perspective, the perspective of God, and we can say, God, you're good, you're faithful, and you're true. We're not interpreting God through our circumstances. No, we're interpreting our circumstances through the goodness of God. The world, God gives us this peace that the world can't take away because it didn't give us to us. And because this peace of God transcends all our understanding, it guards our hearts and our minds. And our minds in Christ Jesus, and our, because we're a follower of Christ, we allow God to empower us to win the victory over these thoughts, over these negative thoughts in our life. And then when we know the truth, the truth sets us free and allows us to step out of the lies of our spiritual enemy and step into the truth of God. And it's the truth of God, it's that renewed mind that sets us free. So today, if if you know Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, what's dominating your mind? Is it the lies of the spiritual enemy or is it the truth of God? Maybe today you need to take those lies and you need to give them over to God. Maybe you need to take those worries, those anxieties, and you need to hand them to God and take your hands off of them. And say, God, because of you and because of your truth, I can have victory over this situation. And maybe today you sit here and you say, you know what, that sounds like a great plan, but I'm not what you would call a follower of Jesus. I'm not a Christian. I, 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 haven't, I don't have a relationship with him. But I want to take care of this anxiety. I want to take care of this fear. I want to take care of this worry in my life. And scripture teaches us that there is no victory over it except through Jesus Christ. See, Scripture isn't a self-help book. Scripture tells us, in fact, that we're sinners. And because we're sinners, because we do wrong, we're separated from God. But God loved us so much that he gave us his only son. And his son came to earth, and he lived the life of a man. And he was put on a cross, and he was put to death for our sins. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose again. And he did that so that he could have a relationship with us, so that he could give us the victory over these worries, over these anxieties, over these negative thoughts that dominate so many times our minds and our hearts. And today, if that's a relationship that interests you, if that's a relationship that you would like to be a part of, I'm just gonna ask you to pray this prayer with me. If you just bow your head and and say these words, this prayer isn't something that's magical. It's just us talking to God and say something like this, say, God, I confess my sins to you. 
God, I want to thank you for dying on the cross, but also rising again for me. And I want to set my pride aside. And today, I want to give my life to you. Thank you for that sacrifice that you made for me. And today, the best I know how, I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you made that decision today, I want to say congratulations and welcome to the family. We are so excited for you, and we would love to celebrate with you. If you would do me a favor and just in a moment, text the word Mile City to the number that you see on the screen. And what's going to happen there is one of our staff members will reach out to you, and we just want to walk alongside you. We want to encourage you. We want to answer any questions that you might have. But man, I'm so happy that you made that move in your life. And for the rest of us today, I want to challenge us to give our worries and our anxieties over to God. God, we thank you today for the truth of your word. We thank you that we can have victory over the worries, the anxieties in our minds. We can have victory over the negative thoughts because of what you can do through us. God, I just ask that we would trust you no matter what. Because of your character, because of your goodness, we would place our trust in you and we would allow you to win the victory, win the war in our mind. We'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name, amen.